This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The following content is not suitable for children. How do we strengthen the erotic mind? Ooh. Let's talk about erotic ideas. Fantasies. Our own inner world. Our sexual inner world. All right. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. So, Lori, this transition from the everyday mundane mind that's got long lists and lots of stresses, how do we make that transition to the erotic mind mm. that's looking for something different. Life's a bit simpler in that erotic mind. How do mm -hmm. we cultivate it like a workout? How do we get reps, get that erotic <laughs> mind stronger? And you know, is there something to be said about it getting too strong? So mm. let's just open up some space and okay. chat about the erotic mind. Okay. I think we know how to do it. You know, there's something intuitive when we're dating and fantasizing about the guy or the woman. We're fantasizing about sexual things that might happen. Mm -hmm. So we all essentially have practice doing it. Uh, don't you think? I mean, I think when I listen to women talk about the guy that they're dating and all the things that are happening. And one woman told me the other day, she said, you know, she went over to this guy's house. She's dating, doesn't love him and, but is, you know, sexual with him. And I said, well, so what happened? And she's like, you know, I just went over and went commando and, jumped on top. I'm like, girl, <laughs> you know, but she planned it. Mm -hmm. I mean, she thought about what she was going to do. She thought about what she was going to wear. She thought about how he was going to react. It turned her on. I mean, it was all a fantasy before it became an action. Right. You know, I mean, that was hot stuff. Yes. That anticipation is such a turn on and the brain is the best sexual organ we have, right? It's, and so many of us, so many couples I work with, it's not developed. It's not really used. It, it kind of turns off in a relationship. So I love what you're saying. Like, how do we get better at using this great tool? I think that people believe sex should be sensual. Mm -hmm. So it should be of the body. And so they don't realize, especially I don't think women realize that it should be in their minds as well. I mean, they're, they're hoping to be triggered. And, you know, I get it. Women are often triggered to become sexual, and that's how they experience desire. That's what the research says. But I also think that having an erotic mind where you contemplate a little bit about what you would like in bed mm -hmm. or, you know, what turns you on and do that sort of as a practice primes the pump. So you're not coming to the moment. That's the very first sexual thought you've ever had about it. Right. Most men want women's sexual mind to be more developed, right? That's a big turn on that a, a, a woman wants sex for themselves, not as something that just to kind of do for their partner. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think men, the erotic mind although it might often start visual, 
right? I, I kind of want to see what you're wearing or what you look like. I mean, that's all about the brain kind of anticipating and kind of what's going to happen next. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a wild fantasy that's playing out even while you're looking at your partner. I, I imagine that's true. I mean, that's, that's how it starts. He, he maybe gets triggered visually mm-hmm. and then, but then it's, how the night's going to go, what they're going to do in bed. I mean, he's got, what you're saying is the visual is the beginning point, but then he takes it off in fantasy, which is his erotic brain. Yeah. When you think, all right, I'm going to walk by and slap my partner on the butt, right? It is something about the feel of that and the look of that that just starts it off. It's like, huh, what could happen next? And, Mm -hmm. you know, that would be nice if that was responded to, you know, even though part of you knows it's not going to be responded to. Or if part of it was, though. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yes, I think it's it's a fun possibility. It's the not knowing. It's the, you know, the that anticipation. It's so important to a turn on. If we can't get our minds engaged, if it's just sensual, if it's just in your body, which is also critically important, we're really just trying to emphasize, like, how do you become more developed in that erotic zone? I think it is critical. You know, the body is a critical part. And I but I think for women, particularly without testosterone, mm-hmm. this is the gasoline. Their thoughts and their imagination and their fantasies and their memories are how they stay connected sexually mm-hmm. because their body takes so long to get aroused. And so it's not on a hair trigger. You know, mm-hmm. it, They have to somehow or another be using their mind and developing it. It's sad to me when I hear a woman, a low libido woman, come in and talk about the birthday party that she's planning for her kid. Right. You know, there's the favors, the theme, the invitations, how excited she is, all the guests she's inviting, the anticipation she has about her child's delight. I'm like, you know, just a quarter of that in the bedroom would change your life. I mean, I, I frequently ask low libido people, like, what would it be like for you mm-hmm. if you had eroticism? Like, what would it be like for you if you could anticipate a great time in the bedroom? And what would it do to your relationship? And mm-hmm. they almost always say it'd be a 10. You know, I would love it. I would love to feel those things. It's like, okay, you can feel those things. Well, I'm sitting here thinking about what would block that, what gets in the way of it. And I think for some people, it's... There's a balance between the fantasy and reality that, you know, if I'm fantasizing about someone else, I mean, am I being unfaithful to my partner? I mean, there's so many like breaks that could come up around the fantasy that just turn off the erotic brain. I just don't want to kind of engage in that, right? So how do we find, and I think we're all responsible for our own inner erotic world and what feels good about that and to develop that and to kind of lean into a lot of times our fantasies can tell us what turns us on, what turns us off, you know, that we want to, we want to explore and expand that part of ourselves. Okay. Wait, I want to go back to what you just said. Cause I think you're right that for some people, when they hear turning on and using fantasy, they would get blocked if they start thinking about somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you're also saying that that could block the connection between the couple. If if one partner is invested in a fantasy about another, mm-hmm. and yeah, maybe the connection between the two is not going to work as well. But I, I think that fantasies can be bridges into the moment with your mm-hmm. partner. Mm-hmm. They maybe start your engine going, whether it's a memory of what happened to you or mm-hmm. um, even with a different partner. I, You know, I tend to think that if you can turn on 
I, I trust the body. Mm-hmm. I trust that when you have sex with your partner, you're going to be about your partner. I mean, when you open your eyes after an orgasm, they're the first person you see. And it's like the ducklings, you know, mm-hmm. the first person they see, that's who they get attached to. And so after orgasm, you're with your partner and there is bonding that happens there. I just, I'm not so afraid of people being led astray by the fantasies that, that they might have. I, I mean, I, I do hear the reservation and I certainly hear the reservation. I don't want to encourage people who, you know, feel anxious about that. Like, oh, you know, it's wrong for me to think about anybody else. Okay, great. If that's wrong for you, forget about it. The proof is in what happens when you said, does it lead to more bonding? Do you open your eyes? Do you feel more connected? I think there is some wisdom in recognizing it can be a slippery slope for some that if you're going to fantasize if you know a lot of men do this where they need to think about the the porno they were watching to kind of have an orgasm and like they're not really present with their partner because the whole episode is is lost in that fantasy Mm -hmm. and there's such relief afterwards that they had an orgasm like they they never really were able to connect with their partner Mm -hmm. right so if the fantasy leads to more distance Mm -hmm. then i don't think it is so helpful but what you're describing is beautiful. It's a bridge. Like you can be in your own fantasy for a minute in your head and then come back to your partner's touch. And, you know, afterwards you look at your partner in the eyes and like the you know, oxytocin is released. And that was a great bridge for your, to strengthen your relationship. Mm-hmm. But I think it is also important to say for some people, if you recognize your fantasy is taking you out of the relationship, you're thinking about somebody else and you're not thinking about your partner and you never get back to your partner, that could become a threat to your relationship. Sure. I'd I'd like to reveal something. You know, when I was first married, I I had spent the whole engagement and dating relationship fantasizing about my husband sexually, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband-to-be, and had thought up all kinds of stuff. But I really believed when I first got married that fantasy was wrong. Right. And so I stopped fantasizing, Mm. even about him. It was like I believed the most important moment was the sensual moment. So I completely left my mind out of the bedroom, had trouble getting aroused, had trouble, you know, all kinds of things because for me there was this separation. Okay, now we're doing it. I I should be completely invested in the the sensual. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I I think it was my gynecologist who said, well, you know, can't you like – fantasize a little bit or something. And she was a really good person. And, yeah. and I was a very rigid person and, uh, and she was a Christian and kind of shared the same ethic as I did. And, but I mean, it helped me to say, okay, basically the message was from a very powerful authority figure about a woman's body. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what you need to think. You need to think again. It's okay to think. Thank you for sharing it. I think it's a lot of women can relate to that and and men that they shut off this side of themselves to love their partner well and to be what they believe is loyal and committed, but they lose so much of who they are sexually in the Mm -hmm. process. So let's come back and talk more about this balance. Okay. Hey, I just want to take a minute to thank our Patreon supporters. I am very grateful for what you've done, and we'd love to invite the rest of you in on our mission. Your support means more than you realize, and it keeps this project moving forward, and we're really hoping to reach greater heights. Find a link on foreplayradiosextherapy.com or foreplayrst.com, and we are so thankful for your support. There is only one FDA-approved little pink pill, Addy or Flibanserin, is for premenopausal women bothered by low sex drive. 
Visit addyi.com slash foreplay and complete your online consultation to see if Addy is right for you. Addy is for premenopausal women with acquired generalized hypoactive low sexual desire disorder, HSDD, who have not had problems with low sexual desire in the past and who have low sexual desire no matter the type of sexual activity, the situation, or the sexual partner. The low sexual desire is troubling to them and is not due to a medical or mental health problem, problems in the relationship, or medicine or other drug use. Addy is not for use in men or to enhance sexual performance. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is increased if you drink one to two standard alcoholic drinks close in time to your Addy dose. Wait at least two hours after drinking before taking Addy at bedtime. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is also increased if you take certain prescriptions, over-the-counter or herbal medications, or have liver problems. Low blood pressure and fainting can happen when you take Addy even if you don't drink alcohol or take other medicines. Sleepiness, sometimes serious, can occur. Common side effects include dizziness, nausea, tiredness, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, and dry mouth. See full PI, including box warning at Addy.com forward slash PI or call 844-PINK-PILL. Visit ADDYI.com slash foreplay. Okay, so George, one thing that comes up for me when when you and I talk about fantasy is, you know, sometimes you you discuss this idea of a block that the fantasy of another, particularly if one person is fantasizing about another, that that can block the connection with their partner. And I, I want to see where you're going there, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, I think the engagement of the mind is so important and to be judgmental of your own fantasies in some ways, I, I don't know that that can kind of block something. I, I, I think it's one thing to start fantasizing about a person and long for that person, mm-hmm. you know, an old lover or whatever. And you just start longing for that person. You wish you were with them, with them. That's clearly going to divide the partnership. But I guess there's this other part that I, I don't know. I, I don't know that we should judge the thoughts that flit through our minds so harshly. Yeah. Um, I'm not judging. I'm, I'm inviting people to evaluate the effectiveness of their fantasy, Okay. right? If their fantasy leads to a bridge and it allows them to develop more of their erotic being, it's bringing more energy into the relationship, go for it. I think we all need to do a better job of developing our erotic minds. Mm-hmm. It's only going to lead to more layers of engagement. I think there just needs to be a warning to that when you're developing that erotic mind, that for some it can be a slippery slope that goes towards disconnection. Mm-hmm. So if you do need to think about your ex-lover to have a orgasm and your mind gets used to that habit and every time you're having sex, you're thinking about someone else, that's going to get in the way of the emotional bonds. So there are some fantasies, you know, there are some people that have values around fantasies that kind of thinking about the fantasy doesn't strengthen that bond, but kind of gets in a way. So I'm just trying to make space for both. I think we all are yes. responsible for our own judgments on what works and what doesn't work. The last thing I'd want people to do is to think that we're trying to judge people's experiences because I think there's so much room here for people to make the decisions as consenting adults. Sure. And I, I think maybe I worry a little bit like taking this side of the argument that as a sex therapist, I'm, you know, everything goes. And I actually don't think that within coupleship, I think that your stressing the, the point of connection is very important. We mm-hmm. want people to be enhanced with each other. We want their pleasure enhanced and we want their connection enhanced. You know, I, I think that sharing the sexual fantasy is a way to certainly enhance the pleasure mm-hmm. between people to to say it's so vulnerable to share that i mean it's exquisitely vulnerable to share what you think about i believe so that's part of it i'm not 
quite as concerned about, or I'm not quite as focused on the the person who's fantasizing about the Mm -hmm. other as an escape, you know, an escape from the moment or an escape from the relationship, but focusing on, okay, how do their sexy thoughts Mm -hmm. enhance what's happening between them by sharing it, by acting it out, sometimes just by having it, you know, to get aroused, to stay aroused. I, I think that that can be okay. I have a good example of that. Okay. I'm working with a couple and they're trying to develop their erotic mind, especially the wife who, you know, doesn't talk about it at all with, okay. with her partner. Okay. So they, they do a homework assignment. They're starting to explore it. You know, the wife then shares, he says, can you share? She goes, yes, I, I have a fantasy of, uh, you know, of being with a woman mm-hmm. while I'm with you. Totally freaks the husband out. Oh, no. Right? Like, oh, wait a second. You'd rather be with a woman than with me? What does this mean? I mean- He gets really rejected. Really rejected. And, and he can't he can't fulfill can't that fantasy, that. right? Because right. he's not a woman. Right. Okay, right. So, so again, really the sharing of the fantasy <laughs> created short-term big problems, right? Big mm-hmm. insecurities, big vulnerabilities. But this couple faced it which is really the key. And, you know, she was able to give some reassurance that it was, you know, not something she wanted to act upon. It's just mm-hmm. something that, you know, is interested and just on. turned her on. It's something that there's a little taboo to it. There's a little bit of like just inhibition to it. There's, you know, so she winds up once he feels a little bit secure and open that when, when they started to explore, she had a lot more energy around what turned her on. It was about being uninhibited for her. That was a turn on that she could just kind of lose herself in doing something new, right? Uh That it was about her own kind of desire that somebody wanted her, right? So she started to talk about the elements of the fantasy and she got so much more engaged. And in sharing that with him, he became so much more engaged. It was like, oh, so you would, you would kind of like this kind of kissing and you would like that more sensual. And they got more specific and it wound up really enhancing their sex life. So that's what I'm talking about. That's great. That's great work. I'm, you know, good for them. They process through at first what felt like rejection and a threat he got his brain regulated again, and, and she was able to stay with it and still risk, still be vulnerable, even though he had gotten escalated. And she starts to explore inside, what is it about this that's such a turn on? And it, those were things that they could both have yep. together in their partnership. And it's important. And then he started to play with it. They'd be having sex, and he'd say, imagine I was this woman. And like, he would have fun, <laughs> and she would laugh, and it, you know, it, it strengthened the bond. And yet it's so important to highlight the partner has to be open and flexible to hearing the fantasy. Because if I share my fantasy and now I have to take care of you and do damage control, I'm not going to want to share my fantasy. Right. The other thing I think that I like about your example, I just want to stay on that for a minute, is they were committed to not doing that. She didn't need to do it. Right. But they did share the excitement about that idea together that enhanced the sexual moment. Like, you know, sometimes people, it's an absolute no, I'm never going to do that. Forget about it. But talking about it, yes. And hearing your excitement about that, yes. 
you know, all of that is a possibility if people can somewhat give up the disappointment or process the disappointment in, but we're never going to do that. Right. And again, for couples to decide, maybe she does want to, and they want to change their relationship because of these fantasies. And if that's kind of what they want to do, cool. You know, it's again, as long as they're making decisions together about what's best for them sexually and safety wise, then, you know, it's all good. We're not here to judge the fantasies. We're here to evaluate the success of that fantasy. So that couple had success. She shared, she developed more of her erotic mind, allowed him to know more about her. He developed more of his erotic mind. They had more to work with as a couple, mm-hmm. right? But if he was not able to hear it and became threatened and she felt shame for it, then that would have been a divide that it brought up between the couple. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I love that. And I think that's that's what I'm thinking about when we talk about the erotic mind is mm-hmm. she was vulnerable enough to share it. He wanted her to share it but didn't know how he was going to react to it and then got threatened and then they processed and got through. That's that's beautiful. Um, I, I, I do think, right, when you think about your partner sharing an erotic fantasy, maybe an erotic fantasy about another, I mean, it just instinctually I can kind of feel that in my chest. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh. I don't know. I don't know. You know, just there is an anxiety about that, but it's the processing like, okay, but what about that person turns you on or? Exactly. I love the word you use vulnerable. You can't get more vulnerable than going into our fantasies. Mm Mm-hmm. Very right. difficult. Or a partner <laughs> hearing our fantasies. I mean, this is a doorway into vulnerability. We know vulnerability can be some amazing stuff for sex. It is. Right? Yes. And we want to protect ourselves from the potential misses and hurt. We just close the door to all this vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Right. That to me is sex. Like the erotic mind is sex. It's mm. not just what the body is doing. You know, the body can do well, the body can do a lot of fun things. But there's a limitation. But what we think about, that's unlimited. And to break it down into the pre, during, and after sex, I mean, this erotic mind is critical the whole time. Hours before that, anticipating that the possibilities, you know, allowing the fantasies. I mean, that erotic mind before sex is just as important. And how do we take, they were doing the dishes. Why not think about something? See, see what comes up as you try to get practice developing more of this erotic mind. I would love that as homework for people. Like, how do you find times during a day to just kind of think about this part of you? Yeah, there's like, we have a lot of brain time. You know, we, we, social media, worry. I mean, the list, anxiety, pressure, those are brain time wasters, right? Mm -hmm. If we could just take a portion of them and devote it to a fantasy or something that would enhance our uh, life, kind of like affirmations. Don't you always talk about affirmations, George? (laughs) I am sexy. Hey, (laughs) I got to put out (laughs) messages into the universe for it to happen. But, you know, our brain is very powerful. We have plenty of time. Time is never the issue. Mm -hmm. Never the issue. It reminds me of my friend, you know, he worked out all the time, his upper body, and he had the most like, big chest and arms and everybody's like, wow, but he never worked out his legs. And one day he went to the beach and I was like, what the heck is going on there? Right. He had this amazing <laughs> upper body, these tiny little skinny legs. And it was actually funny looking, but I think that's so often what's happening with people that don't develop their erotic mind. Mm-hmm. They develop other parts, the sensual, you know, the right. romantic, and that's fantastic. Right. Develop your legs. Do some more squats, right. all right? If men always come in and they want the technique that will turn her on forever. And I'm like, okay, in your brain. 
your vulnerability about mm-hmm. yourself. That's what will turn her on forever. Beautiful. Okay. Thanks for listening. Keep it hot. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.